Hello, I'm Martijn Graat and this is Does Logistics Matter? A podcast on trends and innovations in supply chain and logistics. Answering yes to the question today is Herbert ten Haven, CEO at Pfizer. In this episode, we talk about trends in warehouse robotics, the intricacies of picking goods with a robot, how warehouse workers will be replaced by robots, and what the warehouse of the future will look like. Please enjoy my conversation with Herbert ten Haven. Herbert, welcome to the show. My first question is always, uh, does logistics matter? Absolutely. <laughs> I think in this age, we all know that it absolutely matters. Well, thank you. Um, uh, how did you uh, end up in logistics yourself? Apart from my own experience in ordering things and uh, seeing uh, logistics uh, acting around me, um, it was five years ago that I joined this company and that I was... Yeah, I became aware of all the challenges in logistics. So it's a bit more than five years. Okay, so you have a different. You you didn't have a logistics background when you uh, uh, when you stepped in. Not at all. O- other than uh, uh, being a, a participant in 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 receiving the at the receiving end of logistics. Absolutely. Yeah, and a, a friend of mine has a, a company, uh, uh, Schenk Logistics in Papenrecht. They uh, so when I was a kid, I was in the, mm-hmm. in one of those trucks, actually in this area where the fruit terminal was. So I was I was reminded this ten minutes ago. So um, there, there was a whole area where a lot of fruit would was, would be transported from ships. And uh, so I, I joined one of the trucks uh, when I was a kid, I think 16-year-old. Okay, nice, nice, nice. Um, so um, you're here, obviously, to talk about uh, robotics uh, and, well, logistics matters. So uh, robotics in logistics. Um, wh- what are the main uh, trends that you see um, uh, when when you look at the the use of robotics uh, in, in in logistics? Um, maybe first the term robotics. It's I yeah. think a robot is just an actuator moving from A to B, and uh, so it's it's the smartness of the system that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in warehousing you've seen a lot of ASRS, automated storage and retrieval systems like the Van der Landen, the Metics, and uh, what have you. Um, so it's about storage and, and retrieving, yeah. and then the tote would be offered to a, a human, to a person, and then the person operator would, would pick the items. Yeah. Um, in the last three, four years, you've got a lot of AMRs and uh, AGVs uh, running around in, in warehousing to transport from A to B. So they call them robots as well. Yeah. Uh, what we as Pfizer focus on is replacing the human picker picking items or parcels from a tote or from a chute and placing them somewhere else. That's where we are in to robotics. Mm-hmm. That's re- also uh, yeah, moving very fast, but I would say three years behind the AGVs and the AMRs. Okay, so and uh, I can imagine that that, that, is, that, that is because uh, uh, picking up something is way more difficult than, I mean, um, how do I say this? Um, uh, I mean, not not to be not to say anything about forklift drivers because these guys really really know what they're doing, and you need to be you know you need to be trained to know what you're doing. But uh, for a robot, uh, it seems you know it's easier to uh, slide two forks in a pallet, lift it up a little bit, and then drive. That's a relatively simple operation. Uh, and if you, it, I mean, if you picked orders, and I've I've done some some work in logistics when I was a student, and if you if you have to pick you have to pick things up with your hands, 
And that's, I guess, where where the difficulty is. Exactly. And it's all about, like we as humans do, is uh, we see something with our eyes. We've got two eyes. We can see uh, depth as well. And we have to coordinate our hands. And so, uh, and we have two hands and we have to um, be creative based on what we're picking. If it's a, a towel or a cup or a heavier object. So we as humans are, are very um, um, flexible, dynamic and uh, agile in, in, in handling all kinds of goods. So a robot uh, has much more trouble with that. So the, the key essence, what we add to robotics is uh, the eye-hand coordination. So translating the image into understanding the scene and guiding a robot moving in safely picking the item and moving out safely uh, okay so what Pfizer does is you don't sell you don't sell the robot but you sell the brains exactly so if we would be in the car industry like self-driving industry self-driving cars we would license out our software to BMW Audi Mercedes etc so that's our business so just translating the image into understanding the scene and guiding a robot. Okay, so uh, do you do you have s- some examples so so uh, the listeners can can understand why it is so complicated for a robot to pick up something? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, if you see the uh, d- just the market, you had the uh, the Amazon picking challenge for several years. Uh, by the way, our team won it in two thousand sixteen, uh, both the picking cool. and, the, and the sewing uh, challenge. Uh, before I joined, of course. <laughs> so it's all really up to them. Um, so it has been a challenge for years. So uh, that's why everything you buy online is being picked by humans. So if you buy something at 11 o'clock at night, you can be assured that at some point in the night, people are picking your items, putting it in a box or a bag, uh, becomes a parcel, and then also the parcel handlers uh, several times pick it with humans. So the next day if it's delivered, maybe... 15 people have picked your items and your parcel already yeah, all, that, all during that, the night. That's a huge number. 15, just, just 15 people are, are busy just because you clicked, uh, I mean, often the one or two, the one or two items. Mm-hmm. And it has to be done in the night because at most web shops, at least in the Netherlands, the, the large ones, you can order before 12 and it will be delivered next day. Well, there's only one way and that can happen. And that's that after 12, when I place my order and and, uh, and I go to bed that uh, yeah that other people are awake uh, mm-hmm. and 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 processing that order correct yeah and mm. so we're in the business of yeah uh, I often call uh, call it de-recruitment like uh, previous colleagues of mine so de-recruitment like we don't need the people anymore to do that kind of work and uh, so we can automate it and it's not done from today to tomorrow but you see it now happening uh, o- all everywhere and a lot of uh, like uh, in groceries or in uh, apparel clothing uh, that can be done by robots okay so so thinking about these these humans that are uh, that are at night and picking these goods um, you know uh, picking up an item uh, I mean the, if they're uh, even if they're just 18 years old and they're working at night they have about well, 17, well, actually, no, 18 years of experience in touching things and seeing things and knowing, you know, what they see and where it is and what they have to do with it. Um, so um, how, how do you train? So, I mean, how do you train a robot and how, how, how much time does that take? How does that work? Okay, good question. Um, it's, it's the same principle as with uh, voice recognition, image recognition in general. 
So uh, you train a neural network to generalize, to to cope with situations is never seen before. So we train a neural network to see a box or a bag, a tube, etc. So and we do it by um, feeding it with hundred thousands or millions of of images, and we label them. It's called supervised learning. So we label to say, this is a box, this is a bag, this is not a box, etc. So and we take diff difficult situations, it's not the easy ones, really really mm -hmm. difficult. So they're close to each other, and it's sometimes even for a human heart to see. And those images we label, and then we train the neural network, and it becomes very good at recognizing what it needs to recognize and generalizing. So coping with unknown items, parcels, etc. That's how it trains. Okay. So and uh, so and and that enables it to uh, pick a box from uh, a palette that has um, well all sorts uh, uh, boxes with different sizes. Exactly. Yeah. Ah. Okay. And um, so, and how does it deal with uh, see-through uh, things? That's, because you know you yeah. have things in, in plastic. How does mm -hmm. that work? That's difficult. <laughs> First of all, you need to see it in the camera. So you need good lighting, good conditions, and you don't want reflections because if you put lights on it and you you look in a, into a mirror, you don't see it. So if the camera can't see it, we can't see it, and the system, okay. of course, can't see it either. So you need to have a good camera, and and then we use also stereo to see the depth. Because mm -hmm. we need to see the depth accurately, uh, uh, very accurately. Because uh, if it's not accurate, then the robot has to move very slowly in order to to bump into it and not to break it. And um, so with plastic transparent, uh, it's uh, it's having a good camera, good lightning, and uh, of course also our, tr our our software. So we we trained it to deal with those difficult situations. So it's uh, really robust in uh, in handling those situations. Yeah, and uh, and um, and I can also imagine that uh, the precision is important because these, I mean, uh, these are metal arms and they move and 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 if they and if no system says stop, they keep on moving. So you know, I guess they they can go straight through the box. Yeah, they could. But um, so it's 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 good to have a, an accurate camera with a, a good depth. So it, it creates a point cloud. They call it a point cloud, mm -hmm. and um, and it gives the position in six degrees of freedom, which is simply x, y, z, and a rotational needs on needs axis, like a plane or a floating body, like a, a boat. Mm -hmm. So in so we tell the robot where to move. And at the last part, it will, of course, be a bit slower. And then we apply suction. So it's mostly use uh, vacuum to attach ah. force. And so if you apply vacuum at, uh, let's say, uh, centimeters before, and then at some point it will... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and that makes sense because then it's not uh, grabbing and crushing something, but the last, uh, well, I would say the last mile, that which is a logistics <laughs> term. So, but the, so the last few millimeters, it's uh, it's no longer robot to good, but it's then it, it becomes the good comes to the robot. Depends Almost. on the weight, of course. Yeah, no, but <laughs> so the last uh, and and if if it's a heavy thing, then the the robot sucks itself to toward the. The last millimeter sucks itself toward yeah. the the, yeah. the unit. But to add to this, um, apart from vision, the next challenge is is coping with variation of items. Yeah. If you have a small item like a pencil, you need a very small suction cup. Yeah. To simulate it, but you could have something heavier as well. Parcels can be thirty-two kilos, so it could be a box of wine and or whatever. So you need 
different kinds of grippers and effectors on a robot mm -hmm. to cope with the variation. And so we have we support smart grippers. So at some point it can use just one suction cup. The next one it uses a combination of suction cups. So we we support the smart use of, of grippers like we have humans' hands. We also can we are very flexible, agile in, in using our hands. So we do the same with grippers. So the, apart from vision, the next challenge in, in in automating it with robots is the end effector, is the gripper. Yeah, yeah, and I guess uh, I mean uh, when you. Uh, because you're talking about uh, item picking, which is which can be weird shapes, uh, weird shaped uh, things. Um, boxes are slightly regular, sh uh, more regular shaped. They are different sizes, but at least uh, a box is a box. Um, but if I sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes if you get a package delivered and you look inside of the of the van, for me as a logist, a logist, a logistician, I I am sometimes amazed with um, what people do to package something it's the, the it's the the weirdest uh what, what are they called contraptions you, you cannot call them you cannot call them uh, uh boxes so it's the weirdest thing so so you work in in that part of the logistics chain as, uh, as well so it's not just the the order picker that picks the order and puts it into the box but it's also the uh, actually the whole uh, the whole chain yeah, so we specialize in where you cannot program it anymore. So when you have to deal with a lot of variation in goods, that's in e-commerce, item picking, uh, and uh, within that, it's a lot of uh, groceries. We do micro-fulfillment centers um, and uh, also apparel, like clothing, we do a lot. Um, and then at some point, it becomes a parcel, like a bag or a box, and it's being shipped. And then we, uh, we pick small parcels from bulk, as well as um, depelletizing picking boxes or bags from a, from a, from a pallet and also truck or container unloading and um, which is nice to, because we're in Rotterdam area um, <laughs> yeah. so it's a lot of human labor still being done and uh, you'll be amazed in mid of the summer very hot people are are on the floor picking those boxes and and stuff from a from a, from a truck or even in the winter it's you you'll be ashamed i have images and videos of Humans, of course, I didn't video their face, but we we should be ashamed that humans still do this work. Okay. So, um, so, so for a logistics company uh, that has a warehouse and um, uh, that receives goods, ships out goods, uh, has a lot of goods to pick, what are the steps that they um, uh, need to take to uh, uh, efficiently use robots? Okay, you're uh, picking robots. You mean? Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean the picking robots. Yeah, no. It's, it's, it's my first question would be, what have you automated so far? So far, uh, because if they are still using shelves and and people running around, then a robot doesn't help you a lot <laughs> because you have to run the robot around as well, and that's not a business case. You yeah. need have the robot. No, ideally, you have the best best business case if the robot's on a static position. You bring the goods like goods to men. You bring the goods to the robot. And the robot can work seven times 24 hours perfect business case yeah so my first question would be have you how have you automated your warehouse so do you have an asrs automated storage and retrieval system yeah like uh, maybe an auto store or with shuttles or doesn't matter even with agvs so you ha you have a mechanism to bring goods to the robot yeah so that's the first question um and then you probably also have control over which goods goes goes to which robot or to uh, still two person. 
if it's like uh, picking bananas, you probably want to use humans doing that. Yeah. Uh, but if it's dry good and it's in boxes or tube, cylinder, flask, whatever, then you can have a robot doing it. And so, um, so you're looking for the business case. Or where's the sweet spot? What is the volume? What would suit your operation? Which type of picking? It could be incoming goods, depalletization, truck unloading, container unloading. Yeah. It could be at item picking. It could be at packaging it. Uh, so placing the items on the, on the pack- smart packaging machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, it could also be in the sorting center, putting them on the, on the sorter. So individual items on the sorter. Yeah. Um, so looking at the sweet spot, and then at some point you know, okay, I want to automate these kind of uh, items. And then we tell you uh, or ask you, uh, send us images. So take your cell phone, take a lot of images of the goods where normally our camera would be. Mm-hmm. And then we can run those images through our network, through our software, and then provide you with the answers. Like, yeah, our software can handle your goods, can see the difference, can see where it needs to grasp. So we can already, without having any robot, without any, any cameras, provide the end user the answers that, yes, our software is able to do what it needs to do. And then the second step for them would be to uh, maybe send us the goods so we can run a small pilot and, uh, and create a video. We can even do it online and show them, yeah, even the robot and the, and the end effect, the gripper, gripper can grasp what it needs to grasp. So then you have sort of, sort of validated the technology part of it, and then you have to look at the business case, how to integrate it. So and integrating is about speed, about uh, do you want a, um, a cobot where a human can be next to or an industrial robot, then you have to make it safe. So we'll have a yep. fencing around it. And so you're, and you're always, you, you don't automate it with the idea to, uh, to have it 100% all the time. We assume at some point you need to have a human in, in intervening mm-hmm. because things might stick together it's broken, it's leaking fluid, whatever. So there are always situations at some point you need to, we need a software to say, okay, I'm not going to pick this because certain reasons. So then you have to intervene and then a human solves it. So that's how we go through a process with an end user when they want to automate a warehouse, for instance. And um, um, uh, so, and you, you deliver the software and not the the robot. So do you advise, uh, like, these are the goods, this is your level of complexity, this is what you have in the future. Uh, do you then say, um, these are robots that will work? Or uh, or or how, how does that process work? Yeah. We're fully agnostic in hardware. So several cameras, any robot, any gripper. And so uh, it's up to the end user or mostly the integrator to decide on that. So how it works is um, our software is being used by a robotics or a system integrator. Mm-hmm. They build the picking cell and they sell the whole picking cell towards the end user. Normally, um, let's say a SCAPEX, so they say, okay, it costs you 100,000 euros, we'll sell. Or sometimes uh, OPEX to say, um, you, we charge you whatever, 20K or 30K per year. For the, or even per pick. So they charge it per pick. And um, so we just do the software, which is the key, which is the, <laughs> the key element. Yeah, yeah. And then an integrator, a company that builds the solution, sells the solutions towards the end user. And we get paid by license yearly, a yearly fee. Okay. So 
um, you've mentioned several uh, things. Yeah, you mentioned uh, humans intervening, um, cobots. So um, if if we now really look towards the horizon and and maybe even past the horizon, what are the what are the developments uh, that you see uh, that will well, that will even ch change logistics and picking as we know it now even more. Okay. First of all, we are really at the beginning. So, like I said, everything you buy online is still being picked by humans. So, yeah, it's a long race to go, and it's a huge, huge market. Uh, so, what you will see in the coming years that the first uh, warehouses where they can really benefit from from having a robot like seven times twenty four hours and good nice goods that they will apply the robots uh, or so or parcel handlers and they will automate the process at some point now the whole um, process is built around humans so uh, the goods are being brought on the level where humans can stand and save etc so at some point it will change because why would you have a picking robot at the same place where the human would be if you yeah. can also pick them somewhere high in the air and so do it more effect effectively and so you will see some changes so they'll first they'll replace humans and at some point when it's working properly, let's say for a year, then they will start to design new sorting centers and new warehouses where the robots have a different place than where humans have been so far. Um, and at some point you will see, um, so like we do with micro fulfillment centers, you will see it, uh, yeah, it's not completely lights out, but uh, highly automated warehousing. So you put in goods, so, um, the truck comes in in the evening, they deliver all the goods in, in totes, and then it, it's being shipped out uh, seven times 24 hours uh, with robots. And um, so I foresee a future which is comparable to data warehousing. So uh, where you have like uh, service centers where the, all the, the, the data centers are. Mm -hmm. um, it's still, there's still humans working, but they're only controlling it. So they're looking from a distance and they're solving some issues and maybe they replace a computer or a board or uh, doing some other stuff, some maintenance stuff. But um, the whole si system as such as a data center works properly. So you'll see at some point also uh, robotized warehouses where you have just a few people watching it and maybe sometimes intervening and doing some stuff. So I think in the... In the in the next two years, two, three years, you will see the first of those warehouses fully automated and just some people controlling it. So, and and, and um, when I spoke to you before this uh, uh, podcast, you were, uh, I think, speaking of um, uh, that the, the current um, robot and the way it picks things uh, has a certain age. So what was the what was the age you were you were referring to if you would compare that? Yeah, so uh, there are two different things. One is if you if the, the the level of our software what we do is actually it's like the brain of a kid of a toddler of 2 years old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what we do. We just pick up things like okay, this is a box I can pick it up here and this is a bag etc. So that's the age of our soft, of, of a human doing the same thing as us. Mm -hmm. um, but if you look at the market uh, as a whole and where we are in the in the market, I would say we are um, maybe uh, pre-puberty uh, because it's a long way to go. So uh, maybe we are <laughs> maybe six, seven years old because it's the market needs to really develop. 
And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so because I was thinking of, of of this next question. So, so when will the robots be all grown up? Uh, they are grown up for doing certain tasks, but uh, they're not capable yet of of dealing with a high variation like with the antifactor. So, computer vision, I would say we are quite well ahead so we're doing doing okay but the challenge is in the interfactor in the, in the gripper coping with variation and uh, making the whole system smart because you can have a good robot but it it can never replace a human in the way human interact so at some point you have to in order to make maximum use of the robot you have to reorganize your your processes to benefit from the robot and to so that's the next challenge, and so it's it's not a, just a one one time deal. It's it it needs work from both us as the robotic integrators as well as the the warehouse itself themselves. They have to um, make use of the of the technology, and they often they need to to optimize that. To, they need to change their way of working a bit. So what's the what's the main driver for Pfizer? in in the market it's operating in there is a huge pull um for this because of the shortage of people operators can't get order pickers to do the work <laughs> it's it's um it's, it's 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 repetitive work it's sometimes lazy it's stupid it's but they can't and it's it could be heavy as well and very cold or very uh, uh warm um but we see it all over we see it uh, of course, in America, and uh, but also in the Western world. But even recently in uh, Romania, they cannot get the people, even in Romania. So we thought it was uh, they had a lot of workforce and willing to, to do work for a reasonable hour. They cannot get it anymore. So it's really going fast now. Yeah. And so you see the number of everybody's buying online. The number of parcels is increasing every year with 12 or 14 percent. Yeah. So it will be it will double in the next uh, four or five years. So. It's already a shortage, so we need to automate it. Yeah, and and what is uh, and what is for 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 you the the biggest challenge in this? There is no shortage of uh, of, of of market. Uh, also, no shortage of money to to uh, to grow the company. Uh, at the end, it's people and and having good people and and keeping the. Um, the, 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 the dynamics in our company and the, the drive and the culture. So we currently have 12 different nationalities in our team. And so really proud. And uh, we're, we're growing now to uh, over 30 uh, persons. And so keeping that culture and keeping the quality and then growing globally, that's, uh, that's my drive and uh, my challenge we have as company, as colleagues. Yeah. Well, uh, good luck with that, uh, Herbert. Uh, thank you very much for, uh, for explaining so much. Uh, about uh, picking in the future. It was my pleasure. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Does Logistics Matter? For more on trends and innovations in supply chain and logistics, visit our blog on logisticsmatter.com. This podcast was produced by Dimitri Vleugel. The music is based on a sample by Ragaman and produced by Michael Spengler. This episode was sponsored by Pfizer. Pfizer designs, builds, installs and maintains world-class algorithms to automate the handling of unknown objects varying in shape, size, color, material and stacking. 
Their software is used by leading system integrators and end users all over the world in online retail, warehousing and parcel services. For more information, visit Pfizer.com. That's F-Y-Z-I-R dot com.